Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey, girl. Hey, I'm Julie Bender. How are you, Julie? I am hanging in there. Looking good today. Thank you. Now I feel even better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do we not judge each other occasionally on appearances or think about how we look when we go out the door? I mean, I did notice that you have like a full face of makeup and I'm like, I have real clothes on today, but I did not put on makeup. So yes, I think I've proved your point. We do notice another's appearance. Yeah. And, you know, I do have a full face because my full face is getting more wrinkled every day. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Well, thinking of appearances, we did a little internet research. Many of us turn our face to a certain side when taking photos, thinking that we look more attractive this way. A study by scientists from the University of South Australia showed that the reason for this action is actually much deeper. It turns out that engineers, mathematicians, and chemists turn their right cheek to the camera more often, while artists and psychologists turn the left side of their face to the camera. Oh, are there do a you lot do? of people in between? Like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm either one of those. <laughs> That's what I think too. <laughs> Interesting though. Women turn their head to the right more often, showing their left cheek. Researchers believe that the left side of the face is considered more attractive because it is controlled by the right side of the brain, which is responsible for emotions. Okay, so I feel like you prefer a certain side to be photographed. Anytime we've ever done photos, uh-huh. we do whatever it is you want. Um, but is that the side? <laughs> it's my right side. But that that has to do with my left jowl is bigger <laughs> than my right jowl. So I'm not sure it's a brain thing. I don't feel like I have a specific side. No. It all depends on what I'm wearing and who I'm standing with. <laughs> okay, I like this one and I'm going to make sure my husband hears it. Red lipstick does actually make you look younger. Why? The boldness, thank you, the boldness of the red color accentuates the contrast between your features, which is a trait of a younger face. And as Julie Bender would say, be bold (laughs) and just be you. Totally. Well, on a more serious note about appearances, a study carried out in the UK showed that to get a call back for an interview, applicants with ethnic minority sounding names must send nearly two times more applications than applicants with white sounding names of the same qualifications. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. And that's what we talked about a little bit on the last episode with Allison. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about our appearances and perceptions of others based on those appearances. And there's a lot of ugly history that's kind of spoken to that. On this episode, we want to take some time to really focus on how we can truly bridge those divides that we discussed more in depth. Julie and I are going to unpack that conversation some more today, the one we had with Allison. And after listening to her last episode, we wanted to chat about how we could enter this conversation, or if we even should. It's impossible to find solutions without being willing to ask ourselves the hard questions. So that's what we're going to do. We've been doing this for a long time, Julie, and we can roll back to the George Floyd incident, the kind of a mark in history at this point. 
that we looked at each other and said, what, what do we say? What do we do? How do we address this? And, you know, I'm do always... Do we address it? Or do we address it? I mean, we're two white women and really have no real life experience in some of the things that were being addressed. And, you know, I'm one that jumps in and you were wise enough to say, we need to think about this, Dar. Yeah, we, we needed to really discuss the best way to enter that conversation. Um, and, and ultimately, we ended up bringing Dr. Zoe in so that we felt like we could have a more balanced and informed conversation about that really tense time back in 2020 um, that it just seemed like everything was brought to the surface. And th those, those conversations that maybe otherwise would have been ignored could no longer be ignored. It's true. And, you know, for me, my journey in understanding racial inequality started in high school. You know, I was a girl that was growing up in an all-white town of 12,000 people mm -hmm. in northern Indiana. So it, it was something I needed to learn about. And I did as much as I could in a few different ways. But that, that was just the tip of the iceberg. It's been you know a lot of years since then, and I've had a lot more experiences and still have a lot to understand. I mean, the truth is we recognize that disparity and even bigotry definitely still exists. It always has, and most likely on some level, it always will. I mean, there are current statistics that say that racial profiling uh, among black men shows 20% more black men are pulled over or are looked at more by policemen than white men. And that's, that's just a reality in today's day and age. Well, and I think what happened after George Floyd is a lot of us had not just the opportunity, but the desire to step back and understand and listen to someone else who had experienced something different than us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really important. And again, I, I don't know that, no, I know you and I will never fully understand yeah. the road um, that others have walked through. Yeah. Those of a different color than us, we won't. But at the same time, because we're women of faith, it's not that we will fully understand it, but it is vital that we step into it, that we look at what we believe as Christian women and how that translates. Yeah, I mean, I think what 2020 is separate from the pandemic really required us all to do was to really take a hard internal look to say, you know, I want to quickly say I have no, you know, racial bias but we had to really stop and internally consider, do I have some that I've not ever paid attention to that I might not be aware of? And what active steps do I individually and personally need to take to make sure, especially as women of faith, that we are truly living and acting and speaking and serving the way we believe God would call us to with equality in mind? You know, when my eldest, Lauren, was in high school, she was dating a, a black young man. And, you know, it, we had no problem with the race part of it. Um, you know, we always said we want, a, we want men of integrity in your life, and mm -hmm. we don't care what color they come in. Mm -hmm. But at the time, she was doing what's called forensic speaking competitively. And she wrote uh, this one that she did weekend after weekend talking about her boyfriend 
and how cute he was and what he did and how he played with his siblings and all of the things. And then she stopped and went, and he's black. And then she went on from there. And it, it was, I, I watched her deliver this and you could see people physically go, oh, mm. because they were envisioning something that wasn't true. They were envisioning someone that wasn't that young man at the time. And it made me realize we all do that. Yeah. We all automatically think this is the box you fit in. Mm. And I know as women who have a faith that matters to us, we should not have boxes anybody fits in. Okay, so you mentioned as women of faith, we need to, you know, really live out what we believe, but maybe we need to clearly state what it is that we believe in order to really, you know, personally assess if I'm living it out, I need to clearly identify what it is I say I believe so that I can begin to make sure that that is applicable and evident in my life. Absolutely. So Julie, what do you believe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Bible says that every person is made in God's image that we, and there's no mention of only certain races bearing God's image. In fact, the Bible literally says there is no distinction among races among God's people. And so, yes, there are different races. That is a truth in the way he created humanity. And if we want to get super historical, there'd be a whole nother conversation as to why there are different races ultimately as a result of our sin. But (laughs) God clearly articulates throughout the pages of both the Old and New Testament that his love for his people is not dependent on their race. You know, I think it's interesting that each of us interpret God or Jesus walking this earth kind of as our racial features. You know, you will see European images of Christ that look like Europeans. You will see, you know, I have this nativity my husband brought back from Africa when he li- when he went there, and it has very African features mm-hmm. on baby Jesus, mm-hmm. and I'm like, we identi- that's how we identify, but the truth is our God transcends all of these features that we put on. Our God transcends the images we have in our mind, and so should we. Okay, so we say we believe that God would want us to live out the truth that we believe all people are equal. But very practically, what does that look like? How do we flesh that out, pun intended, among (laughs) all peoples? Hmm. I think we have to listen. Um, You know, when we say we have preconceived ideas, whether it is what you know, this girl should be dating what he's going to look like or what Jesus looked like when he walked this earth. We have to put those aside and say, this is our starting place. We, we have a lot to learn. Um, and you know, to do that, you kind of have to put your defenses aside. Mm -hmm. You can't go in saying, yeah, but I didn't, I, I can't, I I didn't mean that. You don't understand. Mm -hmm. All of those are phrases that should just be dismissed. Yeah. We need to start with, tell me your life, tell me your experience, tell me your emotions, and I will quietly, not defensively, listen to your life story because I need to understand. Yeah, I think that is the biggest um, intentional practice that was really encouraged as a result of um, the happenings of 2020, not just George Floyd. Um, And 
it's hard, right? It's hard to be confronted with, well, I say I believe this, but do I actually live like that? And, and kind of like we said at the outside of the episode, asking yourself the hard questions. Um, and I'll honestly say I've recognized that there were some, you know, dormant automatic racial biases that I was harboring kind of unknowingly and probably, um, just like, like I think a lot of people have said, I, I didn't mean it. So it, it doesn't matter. But I think what we've been called to recognize is even if we didn't mean it, if we see that it's there, we have a biblical responsibility to address it and to intentionally move toward stepping out of those things. And and like you said, listening is the first step. Absolutely. And I think instead of just looking at our differences and saying, this is your life, this is my life, um, this is yours is so much different than mine. I would suggest we celebrate the differences. Yes. I would suggest we take joy when we say God create, as you said, God created all of us. Why can't we take joy in the beauty of that? Why can't we delight in how wonderfully diverse he created us? I think we need to learn to celebrate that. What do you think that could look like? I mean, it's, I mean, I'm really sitting here going like, yes, how do I do that? Do we mean like celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day? What, what is a practical way that we do that? <laughs> I think it's a personal thing. You know, I know I've said it before and I am bizarre. And actually my grandson said to me the other day, Noni, do you know how you, when you see a tattoo on someone's arm, you make them show it to you mm-hmm. and you make them give you your arm. And that I went, uh, Yeah. Is that weird? <laughs> well, I do that with everything. I have seen some beautifully skin, beautiful skin colors of perfect strangers. And I have stopped them and said, you have the most lovely skin tone in the world. I absolutely, I delight in it because I do. You look at those and you know, you think that's a beautiful painting on that human that mm-hmm. God did. That's, that's just magnificent the way they look. And what's funny, Julie, is when you do that, people aren't offended. They're actually going, oh, I'm glad you think so. That makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you walk up to every stranger and do that, but I am saying don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of, of looking at someone and delighting in who they are. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think we need to remember is that we're not the same. We are not the same and will not be the same. You know, Martin Luther King is uh, quoted a lot, but I really like what he said here. Unity has never meant uniformity. We don't have to be alike or think alike to have unity. Well, since we do believe in equality in God's view, that we're called to then take practical steps to appreciate and admonish and walk out equality amongst all people. Um, not seeing those differences and creating division as has become commonplace far too often, but instead, like you said, celebrating and appreciating it. What are some ways that we can, you know, choose to do that in, in God's view of equality? Mm. You know, when I told Dan, my husband, that we were going to do this episode, he looked at me and went, you really want to step into the race conversation? And I said, I have no choice. I absolutely have no choice because we need to quit talking about the racial problems and we need to start 
doing everything in our power to change that dynamic. And I think in that is bridge the divide. You know, you may not know a lot of people from another race, but can you? Mm -hmm. Is there an opportunity to? Can yeah. you go where they live? Can they come where you live? Can you get to know their world? Do you attend a virtually white church? What if you go to a black church? Mm -hmm. What if you're the only white person in that crowd, but dang, those people could celebrate Jesus, mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to do it. Why can't we enter their world and our, they ours and say, I'm here because I want to be, because yeah. I want to know you, because I want to treat you the same way I would treat anyone else. Yeah. I know we talked about, you know, being fearful might not be the right word, or I think it's more just acknowledging the potential that there may be some who would think, wait, so they're doing an episode about race, but just the two of them, two white women talking about race, like that doesn't make any sense. Um, but the purpose is to have the conversations so that we can be internally, you know, taking an inventory, some would say, of, you know, is this an area where I need to grow? Probably yes, all of us. Is this an area where I'm actively taking steps, acknowledging that I want to grow and therefore, you know, will practice new behaviors, new thought processes, you know, listening more intently? If that's the case, then we are all taking an active part in being the change that we need to see. I like what you said about the thought processes too, Julie, because, you know, we, we already talked about the fact that sometimes we automatically think something. Well, when we do, when we look at someone and make a, an, a you know, an, a judgment or an assumption, mm -hmm. can we stop ourselves right there and say, why? Why did I assume that? Why did I judge that? Is, is it true or is it something that is my automatic reaction? And I think starting with your mind on how you think about these things right. is a great starting place to get to the rest of life. Well, yeah, I mean, the Bible says we're meant to take every thought captive. So that's a very practical example of in this you know, topic of dealing with internal or external racism, that is a biblical example of how we can individually be doing that. If I notice a thought that doesn't actually line up with how God views people, then I am to pause to think through what did I automatically think? Is that what God would want for me? And how do I need to replace that thinking with God's actual truth that all people are created in his image and we are meant to see the best in people and to call out the best in people and to own our own um, sin you know, or, or fear or hatred, whatever you would want to call it. Um, and then instead try to renew our minds towards God's way of thinking. I love that. And I think, you know, we, we look at the big picture as, you know, my husband said, do you really want to step into that conversation? And it feels insurmountable. Mm -hmm. It feels like this problem is so big. We can't, you know, I don't know that we could fix it, but we can't even address it. Mm -hmm. And I think if we drill back to say, I can't control the big dialogue, but I can control mine. Mm -hmm. I can control my relationships. I can control my assumptions. I can control 
my understanding of those different than me. And if we were to choose that individually, and then one by one by one by one, we change our hearts, mm -hmm. which change other hearts, which then in turn change other hearts, we may not address the big picture, but we might. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every little bit does make an actual difference. And, and it's, that's worthy of our time and attention. So I think that's what we kind of wanted to, you know, remind ourselves of in revisiting this conversation a little bit deeper and a little bit more personal and a little bit more, you know, practically from our perspectives that every little tiny decision and thought and intention will make a big difference as we continue to add on those things. Absolutely. And don't be afraid. I mean, it, we go, are they going to call me a Karen? You know, I met a poor waitress not very long ago. And I said, what's your name? And she said, Karen, I'm sorry. And she I, said, I'm sorry. She said, I'm oh. sorry. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. You had to say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt really wrong. And again, let, let's not put ourselves in boxes. Let's mm -hmm. not be afraid of being called that mm -hmm. or something else because we want to make a change. We want to do something different. So we first kind of have to put aside our fear, which you mentioned earlier, and don't hesitate. Run headlong into opportunities to build the bridge. So if for some reason you listened to this episode before listening to our conversation with Allison from last episode, we want to make sure that you go back to that. It'll be linked in the show notes, but we would encourage you to take some time this week to think through, pray through, um, maybe even talk through some friends who can hold you accountable that are you paying attention to any unintentional bias that you may have? And are you seeking to bring that to God and, and, and really put that aside moment by moment, thought by thought, day by day, so that you are approaching all of God's people the way he would want us to. And not just you, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and me as well. If you say, where is my starting place? We have an article uh, that Tori Sorge wrote. She is a biracial woman that has lived the life of what is your ethnicity? And it's entitled Three Ways to Ask Someone About Their Ethnicity. So uh, we'll put that in the show notes as a, a link so you can go read that because I think she gave you a great starting place to start the conversation with someone else. For sure. Dar, did you pick a verse that we can be thinking about as we end this episode? I did. It is James 2.1. My dear brothers and sisters, <laughs> how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Well, geez, that's just exactly <laughs> right on the money. That's a great verse for us to be thinking about as we go our separate ways over the next couple of weeks, but seek to walk this out in our own grit and grace lives. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.